In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. Season's over. Oh, the Browns season is. We'd love to be doing these shows in February, but that's not the way it is, and that's not on us. That's on the team. But today, the off-season is live. So I've got my boy, Ian, right, right, right. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. It was, uh, we didn't really, we were going to try to get with Paul to do a recap on the kind of ones. And he's just been a busy man trying to adjust to the jet lag. So apologies for not getting our breakdown of the Bengals game. But it was nice to see the Browns go out on a win, uh, which kind of sent us into the offseason with a little bit of optimism. But then Browns Twitter took over and quickly killed all the buzz we had. And now we're just arguing over a bunch of random people and whether or not they're going to help the team. So outside of that, I'm pretty good. So we're now going to be jumping on for the plans for the whole off season. Obviously if something crazy happens, we'll jump on with emergency pods, but Tuesdays and Thursdays. So every Tuesday and Thursday morning, we'll have a show in your inbox. Um, jump on it. Enjoy. Um, but the next six weeks, it's all going to be around different position rooms. And we don't just look at the starters like some places do. We don't just look at the next coming season like some places do. We're having a proper discussion like they're having in the front office, three-year window, what's going on all the way through the roster. So all 53 roster spots are going to get covered, but we'll do it position by position. My articles, um, if you're interested in reading them, will drop on the Dogland. So if you jump over there, thedogland.com, there's written pieces for each position room. Um, and they're going to drop um, the day before the podcast. So uh, if you want to do a bit of reading, they're there. Um, if you're listening and we'll have a more interesting discussion, that's here. But um, there's only one place to start in. The head of the snake, which at this point, it's kind of odd. I think we're going into this offseason with it maybe being the most controversial position on the Browns roster. But it's ironic because for a franchise like ours, it's been so starved for consistent solid quarterback play we've had the same guy under center for several years and we're almost comparing it to the time for the last 20 years where we were cycling through quarterbacks every six games so there's a little bit of irony as we finally did have some consistency at the quarterback position now whether that's good consistency or bad consistency that's that's what we're here to discuss today but it is at least nice to say that we have the same guy under center. So we're criticizing or, you know, complimenting the same guy as opposed to picking five different quarterbacks throughout the year to pick apart. Not many people can put uh, consistency in Baker Mayfield in the same uh, <laughs> sentence. Ironically enough, though, there are certain categories, which we're going to touch on, that he's very consistent in. But where I'm sort of at with Baker, so I've got starting quarterback for the Browns next season as likely Baker Mayfield. It's not something we've, done the other season we sort of said it's this guy or it's not um but I, it's likely Baker Mayfield I'd put it at 75 percent chance that he's the quarterback and there's two different reasons in theory that I could see him going one the team go hey we don't want to put our jobs on the line and that is a very realistic thing people can think oh a year ago 
Stefanski was coach of the year. Berry's really well rated. Crazy things can happen in the NFL. So those two dudes might just sit there and go, we don't want to risk our job on this. And they could decide to do something dramatic. So don't say that's not something not happening. And then the other end is Baker might go, actually, I want a shot at earning a 160 million over four year deal. I don't think I'm going to get that here in Cleveland. I want a fresh start. Both of those are very realistic things. And it's easy for a fan on Twitter to say, no, you just keep Baker Mayfield and we'll sort it out next year. Neither side might want to sit there and wait an entire year. I think you also have to look at a couple of things. The coaching staff relatively staying the same. I mean, at this point, I don't think I've seen any changes on the offensive coaching staff, mainly just on the D line, which I think if there's one position group where we can easily swap somebody out, it's on D line. But when it comes to Alex Van Pelt, when it comes to, you know, the wide receivers coach, Chad O'Shea running back coach. So they know Baker Mayfield better than Jack Duffin, than Ian Wright, than Paul Brown, any of us, right? So they know what he can do good and they know where he needs to improve. So when they talk about exit interviews and stuff like that, the real goal is to tell Baker Mayfield, this is what we think you need to do to get better. Now, coaches have to be honest with themselves because like you said, their jobs are on the line. If they look at it and say, we know he cannot get better at X, Y, or Z, which isn't part of our exit interview, then that's a fruitless. In my opinion are Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback of the Browns if the coaching staff believes that the things that he can improve on are things that he literally has the ability to improve on. And the second is, Jack, this is the hardest for a lot of people. There's no really better options. We talk about opportunity costs in terms of contracts. Well, there's also a there's an opportunity value in terms of like, you know, who who's going to play quarterback? Because I know we all think Nick Mullins is going to roll off the practice. fall from the heavens with the storks being brought in but i don't i much like we're going to talk about the wide receiver one conversation it's not easy to find a starting quarterback in the nfl baker mayfield may not be the best of the bunch but he can perform at a high level when given the right situation which we have seen so the coaches may be looking at it and the gms may say baker mayfield is our fallback option if this other option doesn't work out because it's very unlikely that, that those are really your two only options yeah, so obviously Baker's the only guy on the roster that can be the starter. Next up, I just want to touch on the... There's three premier names that have been thrown around the trade market. Aaron Rodgers likely stays um, based on everything we've heard. Um, but if not, it'll go to Denver. I've, I've said all along, I think that's where he is. Russell Wilson, stay or probably New Orleans. Deshaun Watson, I think, is legitimate um, discussion and possibility um, just because... He obviously wants out, and we just don't know how big the market is. And lots of people are like, oh, he'll never come here. Tom Brady had two teams make him a realistic offer, two. And if the GOAT basically has no one bidding for him, who knows what Deshaun Watson's market is going to be like. And before people go, oh, I don't want Deshaun Watson, what about all the allegations? Deshaun Watson's not getting traded until the allegations are cleared. So I'm working on the basis that in the next couple of months, we get cleared or whatever happens, um, but we'll know that. Well, the one thing about Brady, though, is Brady basically said, I'm only interested in about these eight teams, right? So the market for Brady was truncated. That's, you know, it's it, Brady's not going to the Jaguars, right? He's not even listening to the call. So Brady had basically said of the 32 teams, I'm listening to these eight. Here's the kicker about Sean Watson, though. 
he may be cleared in terms of the criminal aspect of it because everything was based, you know, and I'm not going to play lawyer on here. Everything could have been deemed as being consensual. Now, the moralistic factor of you having to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and probably into the tune of millions of dollars to settle, settle, settle civil you know, issues with women for whatever reason, that's a different story. And the league may look at that and saying, yes, you're cleared of criminal aspects, but at the end of the day, the civil stuff may get them. And then it gets very odd into the shield and all that other stuff. So I know that there's going to be some, some interesting developments allegedly in the Deshaun Watson thing by the end of the month. But at this point, no NFL team can rely on Deshaun Watson as being a quarterback for their team, whether it's the Texans, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Packers, it doesn't matter. Like at this point, he's a lightning rod and you're going to have to go into March with a plan, not named Deshaun. That's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. Like if it comes to maybe, but also now remember this guy hasn't played football and it will be two years. But we've got to remember Andrew Berry is not scared to look at every single option on the table. And when people are horrified that he's called and had a conversation according to some media reports, that's not a surprise. This is a guy that had Keenum under a guaranteed deal, Baker Mayfield looking good, and still called Cam Newton to be like, hey, what do you think? Um, he was the only team other than the Patriots that bothered to reach out to Cam Newton. So do not be shocked when you see the Browns linked to all these guys and it, lots of people are like, oh, these are just made up reports, can't be true. He's calling. He's 100% calling because he wants to know the market on every single free agent and every trade going on. Um, he is not one to... Information is power. So I think the Eagles are the most likely landing spot provided he's cleared. Um, but that's one that we'll see how it plays out. I 100% think that if you're Andrew Barry... I, I, Ready, Jack? This is breaking news. You can hit our little beacon thing. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, but Andrew Barry is going to call... 31 other GMs this offseason. He's going to call the Packers about Jordan Love. He's going to call the Texans about Deshaun Watson. He's going to call the Dolphins about Tua. He may even call Daniel or uh, the Giants about Daniel Jones. He'll call Jameis Winston's agent. He'll call Marcus Mariota's agent, Mitch Trubisky's agent. Anybody that you can possibly think of will be called. And the reason is, is because any GM worth his salt will Unturn, they turn over every leaf, uncover every stone, turn over every stone, whatever analogy you want to use. This is the NFL. Okay. These are run by people who are insanely more intelligent than, you know, John 617339AZPR on Twitter. Okay. So all of these things that you see on there are being done, whether it's about a tight end, a linebacker, an offensive lineman, a center, a running back, it doesn't matter. They're going to have these conversations. So if there is a stone to be turned over, a leaf that needs to fall from the tree, Andrew Barry will ask because, Jack, what do we always say? We're talking about one, three, and five-year windows. Baker Mayfield, if they felt was that guy for one, three, and five-year windows, he'd have a contract. He yep. does not. Guess what they think about Miles Garrett? He's going to be their DN number one for the next five years or four years. And you know why? Because they gave him a contract. I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the next few weeks we jump on here to have a podcast about the Browns cornerback number one being locked up and given an extension because why they look at Denzel Ward and say, yep, that's my guy. They haven't had that conversation with Baker, which is why all the speculation, this is why Mary Kay writes her articles and why Rappaport throws in and there's a clickbait here from a grossy. And that's why all of this happens because while they may not be saying the words they're saying out loud, this isn't our guy yet. 
Say I waited there yet. Could yeah. Baker go out next year and be top 12 in the league? Yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, and any time Baker doesn't sign a contract, there is a very realistic opportunity situation and probably the most likely scenario for 2023 is we take a quarterback in the first round until baker signs on that dotted line that is the most likely outcome for the browns um and anyone getting away from that is just living in a fantasy world they're not going to go into next offseason with nothing other than baker if they franchise tag him it's just not a way they're ever going to run a team but let's look at a few of the other names um on the trade market because that's tier one um, those three guys, tier two, um, and there is a chance they go for these guys because if they've decided they need to move on from Baker, probably not a quarterback they want to draft and play in the first round. There might be a guy in the second somewhere else they can develop, and we'll get onto that. But they will need another quarterback, whether they trade Baker off or whatever happens with Baker. If they feel they cannot go into next season with Baker, you, you've got some guys. You've got Kirk Cousins could easily be a salary cap dump. There might not be a big market for him and the Vikings might want to move on from that 35 million guaranteed. So it could be relatively cheap. Derek Carr, who knows what's going to go on there. It's a weird one. I would keep him from on the Raiders, but you never know. Jimmy G could be cutting a free agent. They probably don't want to keep him around because he's on a lot of money and they gave up God knows what for Trey Lance. So um, they're not going to move on from Trey Lance without playing him. The other name that sometimes gets thrown out there is Matt Ryan in Atlanta. It's not happening before June 1st. They physically do not have the salary cap to move on from him. Um, could it happen after then? Yes, but the Browns aren't going to wait until June 1st to decide who's their starting quarterback. So uh, you can put that to one side. Again, these are all options. Now, some people will argue that Baker is better at times than some of those. And yes, have I seen Baker Mayfield play better than Derek Carr? Yep. Could Baker Mayfield have played better than Derek Carr did yesterday against the Bengals? Yeah, we've seen him play better against the Bengals. Jimmy Garoppolo, look, at this point, you're a general manager. You have to do what is the best to not only maintain your job, but what is best for a football team. And if they don't believe Baker Mayfield, and I think, you know, just looking through the overall ratings, just to give people an idea, if you use a PFF metric, which is just a consistent way to evaluate people across the league. I understand people want to nuance it, but just factoring in 50% of snaps, Baker Mayfield was the 23rd ranked quarterback in the league. So how much better can he be? Can he be a top 15 guy? Number 15, Jalen Hurts, Jimmy Garoppolo. Number 14 this year was Patrick Mahomes, just for people out there. Number 13, Matt Ryan. Number 12, Derek Carr. Number 11, Mac Jones. Now, these are ratings, right? So these aren't stats. Because I think one thing we do in this world now is everything's fantasy football right? We look at wide receivers as fantasy football, like the Bengals. Like you cannot have a conversation that says, Jack, ready? Watch this train of thought. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. The Bills are a better football team than the Bengals, right? Baker Mayfield is not better than either of them, but the Browns are better constructed than, you know, say the Bengals. Like you can't have these nuanced arguments to say, yes, the Bengals look great because they have all these fantasy football options. They have great wide receivers. But what happens when you have the number one secondary in the NFL? Jack, who was that again? Who's the number one secondary? It's Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, right? So whenever you have Jamar Chase trying to run his stop and go against Denzel Ward, it doesn't work as effectively if he run, as if he runs it against, you know, Rashad Fenton from the Chiefs. 
So there's the difference in terms of how we can have a nuanced conversation. So Josh Allen, number nine, Ryan Tannehill, number eight, right? And all that's basically saying is not Ryan Tannehill who, who threw for, you know, 3,700 yards, which I think puts him somewhere in the 16 range in terms of yards. They're saying that Ryan Tannehill within what his offense is asking him to do is a top 10 rated quarterback in the league. So that's what you're looking for, for Baker. Stop looking at, oh, they, Baker didn't throw for 4,000 yards. Baker didn't throw for 5,000 yards like Tom Brady. Like, you know, Mac Jones threw for 4,033 yards this year in 16, in 18 games. Well, you know, with the playoffs, if you comment. So it's okay to evaluate something outside of that realm of fantasy football and saying, hey, you know what? Can we get Baker to play like a top 12 rated quarterback in the league? That's the question the coaches have. But you got to do your due diligence and find out if Derek Carr in this system or Jimmy Garoppolo, the guys you mentioned, are going to be as good, if not better, because if not, you're not doing what's best for the team. Yeah, and it's one that, they're, if they're bringing in any three of these guys, maybe not with Derek Carr, but certainly with Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins, it, it's not changing the plan. They're not going to sign any of these guys to a four-year contract. They're going to keep them for a year and then go back to the draft. That is the future of the team. It's Baker or the draft or some really weird trade for Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. No one else is the answer. You're not going to take Kirk Cousins and suddenly win a Super Bowl and feel like you're consistently going to compete with the Super Bowl. It's not that direction. You, you don't pick quarterbacks off the scrap heap and turn it around. Yeah, Tannehill was a massive, massive, massive exception to that. Tom Brady going to free agency, massive, massive, massive exception to that. That is not a consistent way to build a roster. So um, no one's looking at these guys and going, oh, I don't want Jimmy G to be my quarterback for the next four years. No, no one's pushing for Jimmy G to be your long-term quarterback. If the front office says, we would prefer a year with Jimmy G than a year with Baker Mayfield before we go to the draft, who am I to argue? God knows what the locker room thinks of Baker. All the sounds are positive, but who knows? They might be sitting there, and we've we've heard it from the um, Broncos. They're fuming the players. They feel like they've wasted a loaded roster on bad quarterback play publicly. Um, Gordon came out and said it. It's the vibe that they all have. So we do not want to create that environment. But let's look to the backup. Also to just echo that point, right? Because a lot of times I think this gets lost because I know sometimes, Jack, it's hard for you guys to listen. So Joe Thomas went on Cleveland Browns Daily after the Bengals game, and they were talking about exit interviews, right? And because the whole thing came out about the yoga instructor. And, you know, I think this this is – and I'm going to write an article about this and I'm going to call it the culture of the Cleveland Browns. And I think what happens is, is a guy kind of makes a comment and then instantly it's taken as like, Oh, that's a shot at the training staff. And then they interviewed Andrew Barry on the Tuesday and Andrew Barry's like, yeah, we, we talked about that. And we had a conversation about it. So in an exit interview, okay. A player will sit down with his coaches and they will say, this is what you're good at. And Joe Thomas said, he goes, you know, and this is coming from a guy that's a first ballot hall of famer. Right? So imagine being the offensive line coach, that has to sit down and go, Hey, Joe Thomas, this is what you're doing. Good. This is what you're doing. Bad. Okay. The list of things doing bad is probably not that long, but what they do ask is when Stefanski or Barry or whoever sits down with them and says, what do you think of your O-line coach? what do you think of this coach? And then they ask him the question, who are the players in the locker room that don't fit, right? There are specific leaders in that locker room. Baker Mayfield likely is one of them, but there are others. You're not telling me that miles Garrett doesn't have a finger on the pulse of what the defense thinks of Baker Mayfield. You're thinking that, you know, Anthony Walker, this leader, wouldn't sit down and say, listen, the defensive guys got frustrated. They did. 
So these are conversations that are happening in every professional locker room. That's why Melvin Gordon's comments came out because he already said it to the GM probably during the season and they didn't do anything about it, or maybe they couldn't. And that's the, the problem sometimes is what players want, they can't have. And these are guys that struggle sometimes in that sense to say, this is what I want versus what I can have. So if Baker Mayfield is, does not have the locker room, they're not going to, if of all of a sudden miles and John Johnson and every and Jarvis, they're like, Oh, Baker's the greatest guy. We love him. We go bowling with him. We play video games. He's our favorite guy ever. And then the Browns cut him that, that, or trade him or whatever it is that then is the detrimental aspect to the locker room. And if you want an example of that Browns fans, Joe Hayden, what happened after Joe Hayden got released, his play wasn't on par. But everybody in the locker room, Joe Thomas, Andrew Hawkins, they've all on their podcast said it. They go, it deflated the locker room. Everybody was like, it was, it was the air out of the balloon, so to say. And that's what happens. So when you're a good front office and you're good in, in terms of chemistry and all this other stuff, and we talk about all those guardrails, they know the players that are influential. And unfortunately for the quarterback position, they get all the credit and they get all the blame. But at the end of the day, the guys, the 53 men plus the practice squad guys in that locker room know what kind of leader, what kind of player. I found it a little bit fitting that everybody wanted to make sure they went out of their way to say Baker stuff as nails and Keenum and Teller and all the guys came out to make sure all the fans knew, like, listen, this dude crawled through glass or to use a Shawshank Redemption. He, you know, crawled through a river of shit, you know, 500 yards to try to come out and play each week. So I think that goes a lot into what the locker room feels about him. But at the end of the day, Andrew Barry knows, to your point, Jack, exactly what that locker room feels about Baker Mayfield. And if they feel that's being detrimental, they're going to have to figure out a way to overcome that because this roster has about a year left before we're talking complete overhaul. Yep, um, it's coming. So let's look at the backup spot. Um, I'll touch on a couple of guys and I'll throw over to you. So Keenum is going to get cut by for the 21st of March because he's due a 1 million roster bonus that day. Um, five and a half million base on top of that. So obviously he's going to be gone. Um, never a great idea to pay that much money for a backup quarterback when you, you're really, really confident about the starter. Um, Nick Mullins is out of contract. I see no route to Nick Mullins being back unless if they traded for a big guy or did something, then hey, he's solid as your backup. If you sat there with Drew Brees on your roster and had Nick Mullins as the backup, if you've got um, Aaron Rodgers, and you're happy with just anyone as a backup. Nick Mullins could do that job. But there's a guy you threw out, and that's why I'm going to come over to you and let take lead, a guy the Browns could consider trading for that would be a backup and could potentially push Baker. Are we talking about the guy from uh, the NFC North? We are talking about a place we both visited recently. It's so... One thing I usually do when I'm going through and I'm finding names is who are guys that are just looking for opportunities. And that's Jordan Love. Jordan Love is at this point, not probably ready. I think if he started an entire season, you're looking at probably a lot of growing pains, but you have a guy with upper echelon arm talent. You have a guy who has mobility, which let's be honest, I think in the NFL, having that mobility helps. And it's a guy that at this point, when Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, re-signs with the Packers or extends or does whatever he has to do to keep him and Devontae Adams there becomes a guy that has two years left on his deal, five-year deal because it's a rookie option in terms of if you want to pick it up after this year. 
I think it's a guy that can come in that gives you something to look at down the road. That's what the most interesting thing to me about Jordan Love is. He's a former first-round pick. He's a guy with a lot of up, you know, upper echelon talent in some of the traits. Now, the question is, is he comes from a system with Matt LaFleur who's going to have similar concepts to Kevin Stefanski because, remember, Stefanski learned under what we'll call the Shanahan system in Minnesota, which is ultimately the Kubiak system, right? So Kubiak institutes it. Shanahan kind of takes it, derives it into his own. Well, Shanahan then had uh, Mike McDonald, who is the offensive, offensive coordinator, who is the former wide receivers coach. Well, follow the train here is that Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur, is from the Shanahan tree, right? So Matt and Mike have derivations in the offense. So there's going to be a lot of concepts that LaFleur runs. Now, when you have Rodgers, you run a different version of it. But still, at the same time, Jordan Love, I think, could come in here and be a legitimate backup. And you're telling him, listen, we need you to push this guy because he's not under contract and you are for the next two years. Let's go. That's that's the ultimate reason why where Jordan Love popped into my head is saying, you know, this is a guy I would definitely give up an asset, like a notable asset, not a first or a second, but I would definitely give up an asset to get him down here. Yeah, and I think it it's one that from a cap situation, they'll want to keep him because their numbers are horrendous. But Rogers could easily turn around and go, part of me extending is you get rid of this guy. Um, and he could feel the, the slight from him in the past and just use that and Crazier things have happened, player power. If someone could turn around and make that call, it's Rogers, um, because the front office will want to build bridges. So I really like it as a punt, um, as a potential trade. And we'll generally steer away from trades with all the rest of this series. Um, it's only very, very rare because the trade market is incredibly volatile and impossible to predict. When we get to free well, and agents. We did, and we did this last year, though, Jack. We want QB1. So we talk about the value of QB1. QB1 needs to be a top, in my opinion, top 12 rated passer in the NFL. That's what I want my QB1, top 12. On a bad year, I want him 8 to 12. On a good year, I want him top 5, right? QB2 is a guy who I want to be able to plug in in a COVID situation. Maybe, you know, the, the quarterback gets dinged up in the shoulder or gets a, you know, a, spra- a sprained ankle going into a bye week where I can spot start a guy for one week and come in and, not lose a game that's the idea is what i want my backup so qb1 needs to be a top 12 rated passer in the league qb2 needs to be a guy that can come in and win me a game and so that's I want young and promising in there yeah. because someone develops hey Wentz hit a cliff and they're able to go to hertz hertz might not be amazing but hertz has allowed them to move to a situation where they've got three first round picks this year they're set up really well and they were competitive and that is massive um is Hertz the guy that's going to be worthy of a 40 million a year deal? No, but he's a very useful asset and he's shown he can do the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then on the practice squad, I want that guy to be somebody who's, you know, just a development guy. Somebody you see some traits in, but much like the James Hudson of the offensive line, I just don't want him taking any meaningful snaps. So because a trade's not the most likely, we're probably looking at a free agent to be the backup. Um, there's one sort of bigger guy that I think will actually get a, a somewhere else he'll go in the league where he's got a better chance at starting. That's Jameis Winston. And lots of people will be like, oh, Jameis Winston is not good. He was 12th last season in EPA, um, completion percentage, composite grade, 19th for PFF. If you look at a lot of the Tampa stuff and the turnovers, they're generally third and long. And if he's turning it over, it's usually 40 odd yards downfield because he absolutely puts it up in the air, which is basically more or less a punt. Um, 
Jack, here's my, here's my counter on that argument, right? Everybody says Jameis Winston's not good. Well, I'm sorry. Good quarterbacks, how many are there? We're watching these first round of these NFL playoffs. Like, who's going to sit there and bang the drum and say that Jalen Hurts today was good or that Derek Carr yesterday was good, you know, or that Mac Jones yesterday was good? Like, I hate when people, he's not good. Well, guess what? If he was good, you'd never have your shot at him. So like you're was doing, good, we wouldn't be chatting about quarterbacks. <laughs> exactly. You know, and if my aunt had different genitalia, she'd be my uncle. I mean, these, this is the why you can never have nuanced conversations with people because they're like, oh, he's not good. Well, no shit, Sherlock. He's not great. He's not a pro bowler. But can he do something that allows me to win the game in a backup role or in a guy that's going to come in and push? Like, you got to be able to cut in contact. So when we say, you know, Mariota or Winston or any of these names, it's not like I'm expecting to come in here and be QB one in the league and Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Like it's not Justin Herbert. It's not Joe Burrow. It's not Aaron Rodgers. Like it's Jameis Winston. We know what he is. So like if people can't get that through their head and can't have a nuanced conversation about it, that's on you. That's not on us. And you're basically asking the guy to go, right. We decide halfway through the season that Baker isn't it. And he's having several issues. We turn it over to Winston because the roster's still good enough, we might make the playoffs an outside chance and then go, right, we we're going to put you under contract for next year and we're going to basically use you as a bridge quarterback and we're going to draft someone else. And that's effectively what you're asking this guy to be. The fact that they think someone's going to come in and beat Baker out like day one of camp, it's like there is not that depth of quarterback that you can do that. And we're looking behind him at Mario to 89 snaps in the last two seasons with 30 pass attempts that's not something great i would say if you're asking me who the most realistic guy we're going to sign as a free agent to be the backup it's actually mitchell trubisky which yeah he's had a short stint in buffalo and look buffalo turned around josh allen from a disaster in his first season in his college career to something that is very 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 impressive now and a one-year flyer on mitch trubisky is not the worst thing in the world and let's see what happens because he could potentially be a bridge. Um, he was obviously hurt by horrendous coaching in uh, Chicago. We've seen what horrendous coaching looks like in Cleveland. I think if you had to ask me today, who's mo the most likely backup on the Browns roster next season, I'd say it's Mitchell Trubisky. The irony here out in Chicago is everybody now is vindicating Mitchell Trubisky after uh, Nagy got fired. So now everybody's like, well, was it really Mitch? Because, you know, there was some games. I mean, if you guys may not forget, Mitch Trubisky actually made a Pro Bowl as a quarterback of the Bears, just for all the people out there and stuff. So I get it. But here's a, there's a different guy. I'm curious. I don't know if you saw him. Have you seen the picture floating around what NFL quarterback was in the stands at the Buffalo game yesterday? Nope. Fitz magic, baby shirtless Fitz magic <laughs> was at the bills game without a shirt on, but here's another bears quarterback. I'm curious what your thoughts are for a backup Keenum roll, that minimum deal. Andy Dalton. He's certainly serviceable. These I, are the type of guys, by the way, we're talking about for QB two. Who's a guy that can come in Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I have a funny feeling. Maybe even Teddy Bridgewater is going to be looking for some sort of a backup Teddy role. Bridgewater, I think goes to a team. It probably like Winston that is slightly further up there. You've got like your Steelers, someone like that, where he's got a, a shot at being the starter. I think he can go to better scenarios for him. He could potentially stay in New Orleans, Winston, and start. So um, I, I don't think either of them guys are likely to come here to be the backup. Whether it's likely or not, I'm just, these are the type of names I want to ingrain in people's heads 
that these are what you're talking about because Keenum's obviously going to move on. We're going to pay him. But if you're looking for a guy that just needs, honestly, Nick, I don't even know if Nick Foles is a, is a free agent or not, but somebody like that, somebody in that mindset that they're going to come in and provide a off the field ability to help, you know, see if you have what you have with Baker Mayfield, but at the same time, push him. I mean, that's, that's really what we're talking about from a QB two positions. We're talking about guys like, you know, Bridgewater, I don't know how his, um, concussion and stuff like that is going to affect his free agency and his, you know, knee, and he's just constantly hurt. So if he's looking for a place to maybe come in, maybe he really wants to get in the Stefanski offense. I don't know. We're not in these conversations, right? Hell, they could bring in Josh Rosen for all we know, right? It, it, we have no idea. But at the end of the day, you got to bring in a competitive backup because at this point, I mean, I mean, I know he's a, a restricted free agent out of uh, the Jets, but like even Mike White. You know, he was a guy that spot started for the Jets, came in through for 400 odd yards. These are the type of guys. These so, are the names you start looking at. Last position in the room is QB3. I think if they can find someone talented, they would prefer to keep a young QB3 on the roster, especially if you're going Baker, um, vet, um, because Fitzmagic, obviously, however fun, and I would love Fitzmagic. Um, the guy is just, uh, what a dude. Um you'd want some rookie there because you want a guy on the roster that's at least under contract next year. Um, you're probably looking at potentially taking a quarterback. If there's a guy they like, sort of rounds two to four, take that sort of hurt style punt and go, look, th this guy could, it could potentially work out. Um, we're not going to get into draft names yet, but it sounds like there's going to be plenty of guys. If you look at something like the Draft Network, they've got five guys sneaking. We're talking three quarterbacks really late in the first, but in their predicted top 32 players. So th there is still decent quarterbacks through this draft. They're not the top five picks of the draft, guys, but there's still quality there. So I, I think it's lining up potentially that they're going to take a punt somewhere. And, you know, when we're talking about day three guys, you know, we talked about a little bit at the season where the Packers would do this and they would just draft quarterbacks, you know, so say maybe a guy, I know he, you'll see him a ton in mock drafts going across Brown's Twitter, Bobby's you know, is a guy like Bailey Zapp or a guy like, you know, maybe they like Brock Purdy or somebody from Iowa state. You know, these are just names of guys. Maybe you see something that you like that you want to bring in. So when you're talking about practice squad guys and stuff like that, you're just talking about guys who ultimately you may be able to pick up in that day three of the draft. Uh, th that's where our, our room's roughly looking like. So there's going to be change. We're probably looking at Baker plus a free agent. Um, it's not going to be sexy, um, but don't be shocked when we we likely draft a quarterback somewhere on, could be day two, could be day three. It's purely going to depend. If they think there's a, if there's a guy they like in the draft, there's a chance that they'll take him. They could even trade up to the 32nd pick. Don't rule even that out because you why not have the extra fifth year option? Listen, Do you got to use your assets. We, we've said it. Quarterback is one. We are not in the scouting room. If there's a guy and you want him, go get him. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter what we think about draft picks. When it comes to the quarterback position, use your freaking assets. Yeah. If, if you haven't got a quarterback, you haven't got a Super Bowl team. It's as simple as that. And as things stand, Baker can be a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. So, Try it. And when the league thinks that Mitchell Trubisky, and we're not talking one or two teams, we're talking league-wide, Mitchell Trubisky is a better prospect than Patrick Mahomes. Let's not kid ourselves. Like, these people know what, 
what they're talking about and can predict the future. It is a lot of random luck and chance and other things. Um, because everything on paper said Baker Mayfield's going to be better than Josh Allen. Has it worked out that way? No, because of development and everything else that goes on. And we're not asking this second, uh, fourth round, fifth round pick to come in and start right away. It's not the old Browns. They're going to sit for a year, develop most likely. Let's see what they've got. And worst case scenario, they're probably going to be a backup in the league for the first four years of their deal. That's perfectly fine. Got no issue with spending that because that's six million a year that you're not spending on Keenan player, you spend on a starting defensive tackle or something. So you move that money around and do different things. So that's where we're likely going to be in the QB room. And uh, I think that's it for today, unless you got anything to add. Nope. I mean, that pretty much covers it in terms of the QB room, what the expectations are and all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have the, you know, the head of the snake, that's the way it goes. So on Thursday, we'll be back. Make sure you like, subscribe, tell people about the podcast. If you think there's um, players or things you want us to cover additionally on the off season, let us know. We're going to be going to the second most important position on the entire team next week. And that is fullbacks and running backs. Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, no, catch you guys on Thursday. Um, follow me on Twitter at Jack Duffin, D U F F I N. Ian19 on Twitter, that's I A I N. That's the one. Just a little I in there. Um, follow him, but go Browns. Go Browns.